Hey, hey, it's GMAC. It's the Start On Demand, the podcast which features the very best of the start. Heard live Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. till 10 a.m. on 680 CJOB. Greg Mackling in for a vacationing Brett McGarry. And on behalf of Loren McNabb, shoplifting, the incidence of which is as high as it's ever been. We had extensive conversations about that this morning on the start. We also spoke to Ed Tate of the Winnipeg Bombers and Willie Jefferson, the first of the free agents to re-sign with the Blue Bombers. How difficult will it be for the Blue Bombers to get the band back together? That and much else on this edition of the Start On Demand. Let's get right down to business. It is the start on 680 CJOB. It's a Tuesday morning and Loren looking out. Our window from high above Portage in Maine, you can see the street lights for days. I was expecting that we might be looking at some fog this morning, maybe not as thick or as dense as what we saw yesterday, but it looks uh, pretty, pretty good out there this morning. Beauty of a morning. The temperature is just right. And considering the impact of that fog and the near freezing temperatures yesterday, it's really pretty out there right now with the hoarfrost. My backyard looks magical. I only have one tree, two, three, three trees, but the what's hanging off some of them, the branches is so cool. It looks like a little bit like uh, Santa's village out there in some neighborhoods. I was driving on Taché yesterday, go get uh, one of the boys from school, and the view from that side of the Red River yeah. looking back across to Esplanade Riel and the CMHR and the tops of the buildings at Port Germain were sort of shrouded in cloud. Like it was a, like a natural photo filter and kind of just like you mentioned, just sort of that magic winter wonderland look. I couldn't find a place to pull over and safely stop or, or park my car to take a picture. So I just had to capture it in my mind. And, and if, if it's not on Instagram, it didn't happen, but trust me, it did. It was absolutely a, a beautiful day in that respect yesterday. I often take that route in. Like I usually come in down Marion and then take Maine and then come into the downtown that way. But every once in a while, I'll turn off Goulet onto Taché so that I can just take in that view in the morning because it's pretty special. So people should do themselves a favor and take a walk down there. If you haven't, they got that little promenade where you can mm -hmm. jet out over the river and it's just as pretty, if not more so in winter than summer, just because of the different lights that come along. And you should do yourself a favor. If you are on Instagram or Twitter or wherever you X, what tourism, Winnipeg and tourism, Manitoba often put their drone up to take photos. And uh, the last couple of days, because of the way the sun's been setting and the reflections on kind of water, kind of ice, it's been super cool. Okay, I'll have to take a note of that, Loren. Uh, Winnipeg Jets were in action last night. We'll talk about that in a few moments. We have your sounds of the game coming up in about, oh, about eight, nine minutes time. Uh, but every once in a while, we even have the odd commercial spot that has a pun built into it. And uh, we call them tags around here attached to the weather. And I always feel guilty if I'm assigned <laughs> to read one with a pun because, Loren, I know how much you love a good pun. And most of our listeners know that, too. Yeah. So I'm driving in this morning and I'm listening to the story of that kangaroo 
that was on the loose in Ontario for three days. And my first thought was, man, I would have loved to have been assigned this story <laughs> just because of all the great puns. On the loose, as loose as they said, in the Oshawa Outback. Yes, the points, famous Oshawa Outback. Points for that. Uh, Rue on the run was another line. And I need to share just a bit more. A kangaroo that kickstarted a wild goose chase in Ontario <laughs> has been captured. It got the jump on its got hands the last Thursday during a pit stop en route to a Quebec zoo. For over three days, the marsupial mystery dominated social media with every reported sighting. Mike Trollet reports on the tale's hoppy ending. Hoppy ending! <laughs> that was marsupial. Oh, Just all well done. Very well done. Very well done. So that that uh, kangaroo, I've sort of been cursorily following this story from afar. That they were moving said kangaroo from one location to another. Yeah, and then they stopped in Oshawa, or that there's a little area there to to warm it up, like to move it inside and give it a bit of a break on its trek to the Quebec Zoo, and then it just somehow escaped. And so then there was this fantastic video of people coming down like a major highway, and then this kangaroo's just bounding through, and you can imagine that your first thought would be like, I didn't see that. That, that could not have been a kangaroo. It reminds me of, uh, is it not Jeff Braun who jokes around because he drives in from Charleswood? Yes. And every once in a while has an imaginary story of like, what What if this animal gets loose? And oh, tigers. A tiger. Yeah, he's worried, worried about the tiger getting <laughs> loose from the Cinnaboyne Park Zoo and and him going out to, in particular when he was working the, this early shift with us and, and, and working on the start in early mornings as he did for almost two decades, he would go out to his car and... In the back of his head, what if I come face to face with a tiger? Like, why would that be your thing in the back of your head? Of all the things that could go wrong Have in the middle met of the Jeff night. Braun. <laughs> it's Mackling. It's McNabb. McGarry returns tomorrow. Just after 10 o'clock yesterday morning, after we got off the air here on the start, we learned that. The Winnipeg Jets had extended the contract of forward Nino Niederreiter. Acquired at the trade deadline last season, Niederreiter has come into the Jets lineup and fit like an absolute glove, like those gloves you were admiring last night, Loren McNabb. Three more years for Niederreiter now signed through the 2026-27 season. Last night, it was, of course, the fourth of a four-game homestand for the Jets at Canada Life Centre. Caroline Hurricanes in town. It took the Jets, Greg was counting this this morning, it took them 16 minutes, 31 seconds to register their first shot on goal. Here's your sounds of the game. Slavin in a race for the puck, beaten there by Morrissey. Moved ahead for Nikolai Ehlers, swings inside the zone, delays, out in front for Cutter's shot, he scores! What a passing play by the Winnipeg Jets, a thing of beauty. His team leading 15th. And Kyle Connor has put Winnipeg on the board. It's 1-0 for the Jets. Up along the wing now for Connor. Into where the middle for Shifley. Cross the line, drop for Connor. Into where the corner now. And out in front for Ehlers. A shot, he scores! Again, what a passing play by the Winnipeg Jets. And Nikolai Ehlers buries it. And it's 2-0 Winnipeg. Now a shot for the point. Stop, rebound, they score. At the side of the net, Martin Natchez on a point shot that found him curling behind the goal. He tapped it in and Carolina's on the board with 51 seconds remaining in the second period. It's 2-1 Winnipeg. They're gonna make Brossois handle the puck. He turned it over dangerously out at the side of the net. And there was Jordan Stahl, but now it goes off of him, picked up by Kyle Connor, races in, shoots! And it's stopped with a right pad of Antiranta. 
2.15 remaining in this third period. Back the other way comes Shane. They're going to pull the goaltender. And now it's a steal of the puck at center ice. Ehlers made the move, trying to get around Antti Ranta, who was halfway out of his net. And Ranta dove out and swept the puck off of Ehlers' stick. Stall wins it again for Burns up top for Shea. Slap shot. That went wide. Came off the back wall. And there's the glove again, flashing the letter from Lauren Brossois. Dumped inside the Winnipeg end. Far side out to where the slot in a shot. Kicked away by Brossois. Rebound with three seconds to go. And Winnipeg will dive out in Lowry and force it out towards center ice. And Winnipeg will hang on and win the hockey game tonight. Wow. What a night. And what a game. Ehlers, Connor, and Shifley each with two points. Loren Bressois eases some concerns about his play so far this season. Loren, 42 saves for the Jets' backup. It wasn't a work of art, but the Jets are now two points behind the Avalanche for first in the Central. Jets in Denver to face the Avs Thursday as the Jets head west for four straight games. Don't you wish you were going to California? Do I ever? Three of those four? Hello. I'd Can't. love to do, that's one of my road trips I want to do. Like you down the do coast. It. Like I've done LA to San Diego for a day, but I want to do the whole, I don't know, San Fran down. What would it be? What's oh, yeah. the recommendation? Oh, Pacific Coast Highway, yeah. stop in the Big Sur. Absolutely. I'm going to channel my uh, inner Brett McGarry here and Tell Drew to stuff it with the Happy Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing as Happy Tuesday. Tuesday's harder than Monday for some people. And I don't like, you know, I feel like we jinx things when we focused on the lack of snow and the temperatures yesterday. Tomorrow is supposed to be a high of seven. Now it's four. Seven is supposed to be coming Thursday. But the more we talk about it, I feel like they decided to change their mind. It's like sports. <laughs> you know, you don't want to make predictions. Well, Listen, you're finally coming around to my way of thinking. It's only taken, what, five and a half years, McNabb? You're finally <laughs> catching on. We have all sorts of prizing today, by the way. It is the start mackling. McNabb, McGarry, the aforementioned Brett McGarry returns tomorrow morning. Uh, Jeff, earlier, Loren was so kind to give away Beyond Monet tickets. That's happening. It's an immersive display of Claude Monet's uh, finest works at the convention center. Who was our first winner today? Because we, we have, I think, about five sets of uh, tickets for various events to give away this morning. Our winner is Daryl Fair. All right, Daryl, congratulations. You are going to see Beyond Monet. We have another set, another pair of tickets to Beyond Monet for later on this morning. We also have tickets to see Ravine. That's coming up. We just announced that show yesterday. And we have two show announcements today. One coming up right after 7 o'clock. We will have tickets to give away to what is going to be, I think, one of the highlights of the summer. Ooh, here I like that. in Winnipeg. Tonight on the Lower Mainland, they've renamed the stadium after her for tonight. Canadian soccer legend Christine Sinclair will play her final match for Canada's women's national team. There's no secret. It's a lot of work, but man, it's the best job in the world. Best job in the world. Sinclair will play that final match in Vancouver, capping one of the greatest careers in the sports history, and you might argue uh, all of the sports history for this country, Nitu Garcha looks back at Sinclair's legacy as one of the world's greatest athletes. She has more goals than any other player, male or female, in the world. Uh, she's represented Canada with so much 
respect and pride and leadership. 190 goals, more than 330 international game appearances, and 23 years later, Canadian soccer legend Christine Sinclair is hanging up her cleats. On Sunday, she walked into the Vancouver Stadium, which will be renamed Christine Sinclair Place for one night in honour of her final game for her country. This is her last practice. Some of my best memories of playing youth soccer was on that field. And now to know that I'm finishing my international career on that same field, it's kind of surreal. Um, yeah, it's kind of come full circle. She deserves just to go out in full glory and... We are all so excited for this. Sinclair encouraged young women to get involved in the sport and has fought for equality, including pushing for pay equity on Parliament Hill. Equal to men. Every chance that a guy gets, I want a girl to get. We're moving in the right direction, but like at a very slow pace. Sinclair was 16 when she made her senior debut for Canada in March of 2000, at the time Canada's youngest ever player. As she gets set to retire at 40, the provincial government has proclaimed December 12th as Christine Sinclair Day in British Columbia. After a game against Australia on Tuesday, her career will come to a close, but teammates say her legacy will continue for generations. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Vancouver. So the game tonight is, of course, a rematch against Australia, Australia, who Canada beat 5-0 this past Friday. And while the coach commented yesterday that they all have their eyes on the February CONCACAF World or Gold Cup and they're looking towards the Paris Summer Olympics, Greg, tonight, you know, they will be hoping, I think, for a win for Sinclair, but also looking back on this tremendous career. And as part of the pre-match ceremony, there's going to be members of Canada's London 2012 Olympic bronze team. They're going to welcome her into the stadium. I suspect a lot of emotion will come with that. 43,000 fans, tremendous, are going to watch that at Christine Sinclair Place, which I think is super cool. And as for much as there'll be talk about what she did for the game, I was looking at some highlight reels for her and just how, what a great athlete she was. It's the off-field stuff that stands out too. She's super humble. She's always giving credit back to the team. She rarely talks about herself, even in all the interviews in this sort of reunion or uh, retirement tour, sort of that it's felt like the past few weeks. It's just very, very, you know, yeah, no, it's been great. Let's talk about the team. And I think that's great. And I love that quote from her in that story where she said, every chance a guy gets, I want a girl to get. That's where I want to pick up on that story, actually, Loren. Just, you know, the pay equity and the fight for pay equity in sport between men and women. And some will argue, oh, it should be performance based on what you do and how you draw. Well, if that's the case with regard to women's soccer in Canada, the women should be should have been making triple or quadruple a the long, amount long of money ago. that the men were making because this women's program has been an absolute delight to watch develop some of the thrilling moments that they have provided over the years pale in comparison to what the men's team has, has done up until you could argue the last 20 months and then the men's team has started to provide some of that excitement but you know 1986 until last year or the summer before Canada the men's team did not appear in a world cup we had the women's world cup of course some of those matches here in Winnipeg the excitement that that drew and created and the way the women's game has been grown Thanks to Christine Sinclair, Desiree Scott, and some of the outstanding players on that Canadian team. I would argue, once again, I'll go back to my original point and say, it was based on performance and what you've done to grow your respective sport and game, uh, those women should have been made, making multiple 
multiples of what the men's were getting compensated for representing Canada. And money's part of that. Sinclair has also said, though, it goes back to that quote that was in that story. You know, it's about equal treatment and opportunities and resources. And so pay well, is part look, of that. But you, until, you know, the, the opportunity is huh? the same, then we're still we still have a long way to go. But so, she, uh, she should be credited for doing so much to get help get us where we're at. I know it's 643 <laughs> in the morning. I shouldn't be getting worked up. But look at the difference the way the women are treated with regard to even the field and the playing surface and in the, the World Cup. And the uniforms and the things they did or did not get and the you know, the cash prize sure. that doesn't get shared. There's a million ways to go with that. The Women's World Cup, they're allowed to play on field turf, fake grass. Not allowed for the men's World Cup. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Why? 204-780-6868. Your text messages, your thoughts, the impact of Christine Sinclair. We talk about Serena Williams as perhaps the greatest tennis player of all time. Is Christine Sinclair on the list of greatest soccer players of all time? Well, I promised you something big. I'm going to call it huge. An absolutely huge show announcement right now, Loren McNabb. If you're a fan of stand-up comedy, you want to be going to this event. It's the first time it's coming to Winnipeg. It's known as the Great Outdoors Comedy Festival. It's coming to Assiniboine Park this summer, July 19th to the 21st. Featuring two of the most popular comedy stars on the planet on consecutive nights. July 20th, live, it's Bill Burr. July 21st, Nate Bargatze, Jerry D, Derek Stroop, and more. We'll have more information on this throughout the morning, Loren, but what a huge event for Winnipeg. So the pre-sale runs Thursday. Starting at 10 a.m., the code is CJOB, and then the tickets officially go on sale Friday. As you mentioned, we'll have more on another show announcement next. And tickets to give away for this great outdoors comedy show. It's going to be a good one. We start this hour with retail theft. Over the past month, Winnipeg police have arrested more than 150 people as part of a wider strategy to slow down rampant shoplifting that's hit almost every corner of the retail sector, Loren. Yeah, and police reference the fact that the target of this new retail theft initiative at the moment is organized crime. So the thieves that are going in, stealing, grabbing items like by bulk en masse with the idea that they can resell them down the road. Stephen O'Keefe is president of Bottom Line Matters and a Toronto-based retail consultant. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, and you've been looking at this trend across the country, across the continent for years now. So a first quick question the arrests are important, but they pale in comparison to the volume of shoplifting incidents. So how bad is retail theft compared to years prior in this country? Yeah, you're right. Um, the arrests are a fraction of the activity that's taking place. Um, in terms of how bad, uh, there was a measurement that was conducted in the U.S. just recently that indicated that it was the worst that it has been since we began taking statistics on this uh, problem uh, 35, 40 years ago. So, Stephen, when we say organized crime is part of it, what do we mean? Yeah, organized crime is um, a, a term that's being used to replace professional shoplifters. Um, it's where one or two or more people are organized in the efforts to steal 
Uh, and they generally steal things like like items. So they're not stealing one or two uh, items from a store, but they're stealing uh, like items. They're stealing 10 of the exact same unit, and they're using it for the purpose of resale. Are we talking it's uh, organized as in a gang or just the idea there's a plan going in? And, and then where are they selling it? Like, wouldn't you get caught if you went online? Or are we talking some guy on the corner on the street selling sweaters that he just stole? Yeah, so it's organized in terms of the gang that is doing the stealing, and uh, it's organized in terms of the uh, hierarchy of the process itself to resell this either online uh, or, in some cases, back to the retailer, believe it or not, um, by presenting the goods uh, later as uh, you know, gray market merchandise that has better margin, and I'm a reseller. Uh, so it's not the person stealing it that's doing the reselling. Uh, it's another group in this organization. Uh, Stephen, obviously we pay for this in the price of everything we purchase. We know that leakage, shrinkage, whatever word you want to use and, and, and the different words that have been used over the years. But also, as you say this, I'm thinking that it's probably impacting dramatically my ability to legitimately return an item when I've purchased it illegitimately. It's, it's, it's causing other problems in my life. Yeah, it does. So it does. Number one, I'm glad you brought that up because it does cost the consumer. In the past, there was uh, this notion of competition in retail to where the, the consumer really didn't see the cost of uh, crime and theft because the retailer ate that uh, in, in a, uh, a loss of profits because they had to stay competitive. You're not going to uh, shop at a retailer that has, um, you know, high prices because they're offsetting their losses because they don't have a security system. And so you are paying now because, uh, retailers have to stay in business. They can't shutter their doors. We hear the stories every other day of a retail chain that's going out of business because of profitability as a result of, in some cases, theft. Um, you know, and the, uh, the, you know, just the, the nature of the thefts has an increased level of violence that's taking place. So it does affect uh, the consumer because they're in harm's way from a safety standpoint when they're in a store and pepper spray is being uh, deployed. Um, but it also has, a, you know, an effect on, on staff who are your neighbors, your, your, your parents, your kids who are working in stores and in some cases, uh, you know, uh, facing the safety issue. Stephen, you talked about, you know, it's not a victimless crime by any respect. We've had a story just a week ago where someone was hurt during a, an alleged shoplifting incident. And you can see why stores are, are turning to even more levels of enforcement. And so in Winnipeg's police report that just came out this week, it mentions they're getting more asks from retail stores who want to pay, which would, I think, be more money for that off-duty officer to do security in their stores. Is this a growing trend? And do you seem, does this seem like an effective strategy? It is an effective strategy. There's actually two trends that working with police. One is that uh, that visible police officer or uh, off-duty police officer doing uh, pay-duty extra income, um, and and that's a visible deterrent for sure. But there's also a lot of investigations whereby retailers are uh, getting together. Uh, sharing their thoughts, working with police, and uh, doing surveillance of organized criminals that they have identified. 
And the way that they're identifying the criminals is through the use of technology. They're using uh, the cameras that they have in the stores, and they're just uh, using smarter databases uh, that, uh, you know, can link um, cases. And then when police get visibility, they can tell retailer A to uh, partner with retailer B and retailer C. Let's all get together because that person that hit you is hitting B and C as well, and let's go after them. And uh, some of these you've seen in the media, I think Project Barcode was one uh, that uh, they've been exploring that started on the West Coast and is moving across the country where police and retailers are working collaboratively. Stephen, I wish we had more time, never enough time with you. We appreciate you making time for us this morning. Some incredible insight. Thank you very much. Thank you. Stay safe out there. We will do so. You too. Stephen O'Keefe, president of Bottom Line Matters. They are a Toronto-based retail consultant. 204-780-6868. What are you seeing when you're out shopping? Increased security measures, more police officers, more obvious security officers, none at all. Have you seen shoplifting? How's it impacting you? We want to know. The start, Mackling and McNabb. If you're missing Brett McGarry, fret not. He returns tomorrow, just using up some of his vacation time. I don't know if he's golfing today. Well, I might be golfing indoors, definitely not golfing outdoors. But I can tell you what is coming to the great outdoors this summer. Absolutely huge show announcement. A couple of our listeners saying, uh, Greg, uh, what was the announcement at 7? Loren, uh, do you have the code? Yes and yes, we have both. If you're, a stand of, uh, if you're a fan of stand-up comedy, you're going to want to be uh, in on this event, coming to Winnipeg for the first time. It's the Great Outdoor Comedy Festival coming to Assiniboine Park this summer, July 19th to 21st, featuring two of the most popular comedy acts on the planet right now on consecutive nights. Bill Burr, July 20th, and Nate Bargatze on the 21st of July. Absolutely two of my favorites. Loren, I don't know if you're into the stand-up comedy, comedy but it's one of the things that i listen to and watch on a regular basis and these are absolutely two of my favorites and how's this going to work because it's been done in other markets before but right. we're one of three that, that have been added to the yeah. list right i think last us london and one other so it's just at the cinnaboyan park stage and it's an outdoor yes. stand up that's cool yeah um so they, they do it in Le Breton flats and ottawa a couple of the other venues that i recognize and so yeah, this is the first time, but they've been doing it right across Canada. So it's a big deal. And that uh, that inner, inner circle, that secret code uh, for the presale on Thursday starts at 10 o'clock local time. That's CJOB. And then tickets officially go on sale Friday, December 8th. But don't wait. Just get your tickets on Thursday. Don't be disappointed. And Jerry D coming as well. I've uh, started watching his show in reruns as well. Going to Netflix as well, Mr. D. Great show if you've not watched it. It, it, it's very clever. It's it's very funny. Uh, we started this hour. Well, so for your chance to win those tickets. Oh, yeah. You have to tell us. Right. In honor of Christine Sinclair, the great soccer player playing her last game with Team Canada tonight. Your favorite Canadian athlete or favorite Canadian sports moment. And don't just give us a name. Give us a story behind it. So one of our listeners, for example, said local gold medal Russell Manitoba product, 2010 skeleton winner and... Beer pitcher chugging champion, John Montgomery. And also an outstanding auctioneer. 
His oh, dad was an auctioneer. He did some auctioneering uh, in his hometown of Russell, was in his presence. I actually got to work with him in Minnedosa years ago. We co emceed mm, an event, the Sportsman's Dinner, uh, once upon a time, and then got to see him in Niverville just a few weeks ago. I was there uh, with a group of friends, and he was outstanding, just uh, his presentation solid as ever. So keep those Canadian athletes, Canadian uh, sports moments coming for us. Uh, speaking of great Canadian sports moments, a great cup, of course, did not conclude the way most Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans uh, wanted a couple of weeks ago. But the Blue Bombers announced yesterday that the club has agreed to terms with defensive end Willie Jefferson on a one-year extension. Jefferson is scheduled to become a free agent in February. This is Breakfast with the Bombers brought to you by Cooperators Investing in Your Future Together. Pause. I need the music. I can't do this without the music. Jeff Forche. There you go. 2024 will be Jefferson's fifth season with the Blue Bombers. Jefferson also selected as the Blue Bombers' most outstanding defensive player for a third time, named a CFL All-Star for a fifth time in 2023. And to me, this is what makes Willie Jefferson such an integral part, not only of the Blue Bombers, but our community. He was named the 2022 recipient of the Ed Cottowich Good Guy Award, which recognizes a Blue Bombers player who has excelled her excellent football ability and is a leader in the locker room and shows outstanding effort in the community. One free agent down. Is it 35 to go? Let's ask Ed Tate from bluebombers.com. Ed, no rest for you. We're getting you up early this morning. Are you already at it? I am up and at it, Loren. It's <laughs> You're right. You'd like to gear down a little bit here, but it's good when the bombers are busy because that means that I get to be busy too. So, Kind of an early Christmas present for Bomber fans to get a big guy like Willie Jefferson done way before free agency hits in February. Yeah, why is that important? Because we use the number 35 to go, long list of names, but why does mm. he top or come near the top of one, what we want to see f- signed first? Yeah, I think, well, Greg kind of touched on it, right? I mean, he's a great player. He's still dominant. At, you know, he's into his 30s now. He's, he's the kind of guy that every offense has to kind of scheme around because he's so... He's a freak athlete in a lot of ways, but it's really how he's endeared himself to this town and this province that's you know made him such a fan favorite. He's on so many of the promotional things that the club does uh, because of his popularity, and then all the stuff he does in the community, so much of it doesn't even get recognized, you know, because Darren Cameron, our director of media relations and public relations, will be always asking Willie to do something and he never says no, whether it's signing an autograph, making an appearance at a school, whatever it is, Willie does it all the time. Him and his wife, Holly, you know, settled in Winnipeg with their two daughters and he's here for most of the off season. So he's just, you know, he's become a, really become a fan favorite from the minute he walked into Winnipeg. But then when you decide to buy real estate in this town, you really endear yourself to your fan base. I was talking to some of the from some of the alumni over Grey Cup week, and you know sometimes that's a mistake, right, Ed? Is to let the team that you play for let them know that you've purchased a house here mm-hmm. because then the the team maybe has leverage over you. But that seems to be a, a contrary uh, action by so many of these Blue Bombers, these American players that are coming to Winnipeg and settling here. There, there's no secret about it. So just. Talk about, I, we haven't had a chance to talk since uh, Grey Cup, Ed, and, and of course we're, you know, so many people disappointed with how it turned out, but is it going to be easier, more difficult to keep it together? If the Bombers want to keep it together, 
this time around. Last year, I, in my, you know, it's it felt like they had that rallying point. We got to, you know, we got to rectify what happened last year. But now that they've lost two in a row, do you get a sense that maybe some of the players that might be otherwise slam dunks to stay might be listening to offers other, uh, elsewhere? Yeah, that's a great question, Greg. And I, you know, I think you're right. Last year, they wanted to kind of keep the band together for another run at the Grey Cup. And then, you know, it's unfortunate what happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I still get the sense that a lot of guys want to be back. Now the question becomes, as you said, the, does the team not necessarily just want them back, but can they fit it into the salary cap? So I think they're going to wait till the end of this month. Lots of guys have probably already walked into Kyle Walter's office and said, I want to be back. Let's get this done no matter what. But I think what happens now is you're going to wait to see who might retire. That makes your list a little bit smaller without even having to work at it. And then you, uh, then you go from there. And there's, there's quite a few guys that want to be back. I think you have to prioritize guys like Dalton Schoen, Brady Oliveira, some of your offensive linemen. And, and then once they get done, then you look at what's left in your free agent pool money and, and try to go from there. So it's, it's always difficult at this time of year for management, and I don't think it gets any easier now leading into February. So let's talk Drew Brown. Where do you see him landing? That's a great question, Lorena. You know, I think, you know, you look around the league and a lot of the quarterback positions are already kind of locked up, but I think he could probably compete for the number one jobs in a few places. Maybe it's Ottawa, maybe it's uh, Hamilton, you know, maybe it's Calgary because they're not happy with Jake Mayer. So, and Saskatchewan's got Trevor Harris coming back, but he's like 38 years old. So there's going to be opportunity for him, but I don't think he's going to walk into any place and have the keys to the offense handed to him. He's going to have to earn it. So he's got some decisions to make because he could also, you know, potentially stay in Winnipeg, although Zach Claris is signed through 2025. And so that probably blocks your, your route to a number one or a starting job. So, We'll see. He's got some decisions to make too, but he's going to get a lot of phone calls, which is a good thing when you're a pending free agent. Yeah, we know that Zach has given Drew such a, a ringing endorsement, uh, the tutelage mm-hmm. that he's provided. Uh, I think it was something you wrote, Ed, where, where Zach says that under the right circumstance and, and under the right coordinator, Drew Brown may become the best quarterback in the Canadian Football League. We have to let you run, but I have to ask you about Brady. And, you know, in the conversation leading up to the most outstanding player conversation and the vote and just whether or not he would be the representative of the team, one of the things that I liked to throw in Derek Taylor's face in that discussion was the fact like people forget Brady Oliveira was on the radar of the National Football League when he was at UND. And lo and behold, Brady has expressed the desire to to see if he can sow his oats on the other side of the Canada-U.S. border. Uh any word on that? How early does that start to, to happen? Can you give us some insight there, Ed? Well, the last we heard from Brady uh, right after the Great Cup was that his agent was going to explore that. Most uh, workouts with NFL teams happen in December, maybe early January. They've got up until February to decide whether they can sign down there. We saw the same thing kind of play out with Dalton Schoen last year. So we'll see what happens with Brady. He's going to get, you know, his skill set says he's going to get interest. But the one thing that works against him is here, you know, there's that extra nugget that he's Canadian and that works against the ratio. There is no ratio down south, of course. So, you know, he's going to have a lot of players coming out of college, a lot of veteran guys vying for work too. So we'll see what happens probably within the next 
six, seven weeks, I, I imagine we'll get a, a thumbs up or thumbs down on him exploring the NFL. Ed Tate, we appreciate you. Right on. Thank oh. you, guys. Ed, who would you name as one of the greatest Canadian athletes as we talk Christine Sinclair this morning? Yeah, you know, it's funny. You, I, I like the John Montgomery thing. I was actually up on the hill in Whistler when he won the gold medal, so that's one of my favorite moments as a a sports writer, but uh, man, there's so many. I, I, you know, I could be on for the next half hour rattling off names with you. Oh, you had privilege at that games. That sounds like a great time, Ed. Did it you, was unbelievable. Did you get a, a sip of the nectar of the gods from? <laughs> well, I, I was funny because I was still writing, and then uh, I was up on the hill, and then I see that down in Whistler, walking through the people, drinking a, a jug of beer. I, I missed it. I wish I was with them. Ed, once again, uh, we appreciate you. Best of the season to you and your family. Thanks for everything throughout the year, partner. Uh, you, you are, uh, you're a, a true friend and a, a professional beyond uh, compare. We appreciate you uh, here at 680 CJOB, and uh, Merry Christmas, my friend. Yeah, I'll be very kind of you to say that, and right back at you guys, too. Thanks very much. Messages coming on shoplifting your experiences, maybe as a retailer, as a business owner, as an employee, as a manager, uh, maybe as a customer. What have you seen? What have you been seeing? Uh, our expert about an hour ago, Loren, saying this is as bad as it's ever been based on his statistics, his extensive knowledge of the situation. And I think when we were growing up, and I, well, I don't want to speak for you, Greg, but when I thought of shoplifting, I pictured just someone... Still stealing, but, you know, grabbing the lipstick and throwing it in their pocket, either because they couldn't afford it or more as a dare or a thing you did. It just didn't really stand out to me as a huge problem. But I know we have listeners out there that have said this has been something they've been seeing for decades working in retail. And whether it's just more in the spotlight now, whether because of social media, you can post photos and images more. But the data tells us it's on the rise. And even if you extrapolate the fact that we don't have the liquor store thefts like we did of three years ago, it's a huge problem here and right across the country. We're not alone in this. And it can be particularly scary for these those in retail trying to imagine what that person's going to do when they react to theft. And so we want to keep that text message coming, 780-6868. Also, for your chance to win two tickets to a new show we just announced this morning, the Great Outdoors Comedy Festival at Assiniboine Park coming up this summer. Bill Burr is on the docket, along with a whole host of others, Greg. We want to hear about your favorite athletes. Christine Sinclair's playing her last game for Team Canada Soccer tonight. Who would you put on that list and why as one of the greatest Canadians? Yeah, I, you know, I always put Terry Fox mm-hmm. at the top of the list. We'll read uh, Don Taylor's, uh, our good friend Don, his text for you in a moment. But we want to start this hour with housing. It's one of the top topics of conversation anywhere you go has been for a long time. Would you pay for your house? What's your house worth? Are you thinking about getting into the market, getting out of the market? Should you rent? Should you own? Or can you even afford to contemplate getting into the mortgage game? And what if your mortgage is up for renewal? All sorts of discussions around housing and uh, the crisis that many say we're in. Yeah, I think we could say the debate goes back decades, but it, perhaps it's centuries people have been talking about this. Global News Morning Clay Young has been talking housing this morning and where Winnipeg stands in this equation because it's not just about can you afford it, is there supply to meet that demand? Good morning, Clay. Hey, how are you? We're good. What are you, You've been uh, visiting with a number of people within the industry. What are you hearing? Well, I'm with uh, Lanny McGinnis, uh, guys. He's the president and CEO of the Manitoba Home Builders Association. 
And nationwide, uh, the figures that have come out so far this year are not that encouraging. A lot of housing stats have actually declined since last year. So, Mr. McInnes, when you look at the industry, uh, not so much nationally, let's look at what's happening in, in our own backyard. What are you seeing in uh, Manitoba slash Winnipeg? Because, you know, this is a, a huge indicator of how our economy is doing. It is, Clay. And what we're seeing here is that housing starts are down uh, year year to date uh, compared to what we were experiencing last year. But we have to keep in mind that last year and the year before, we were uh, having significant increases in terms of housing start activity. And so uh, even <clears throat> with that, uh, that small decline in terms of total housing starts, what we're actually seeing is that on multifamily builds, we're, we're seeing an increase even compared to last year. And so uh, we're certainly feeling the effects of interest rates and other market conditions when it comes to single-family detached homes uh, being built, but we're seeing an increase in terms of uh, different types of housing, more multifamily housing being built, and um, kind of that shift in, in what the market's demanding. Right. Uh, and when we fast forward uh, to 2023, or what are the projections uh, that the industry is, is looking at? Well, forecasts are, are predicting that we're going to see kind of a continuation of the activity levels that we've seen over the past year with, uh, with hopefully a, 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 a slight uh, increase in terms of housing starts, both on the multifamily side and on single families attached. Um, what we're hoping also to see is some stability when it comes to interest rates, because that gives the the customer, the consumer, a bit more confidence in terms of uh, understanding what they can finance and having a period of stability. And we're already starting to see that in terms of some sales picking up uh, that'll lead to start, starts in the new year. Um, we're hoping for that that stability to really uh, have those customers that are thinking about looking at buying uh, and building a new home uh, to to make that decision and move ahead. You know, we were talking uh, before we went to air about uh, the the two years where the pandemic was was at its height, and you know, a lot of industries were just getting pummeled, like the restaurant industry. You know, restaurants are allowed to open, then they have to close, then they get to open again. But your industry actually took off and i found that quite fascinating yeah we just like everyone else did not know what to expect when we were in march of, of 2020 and very fortunately uh, our industry uh, saw heightened activity over the pandemic especially on renovations uh, renovations really took off as people were spending more time at their homes they decided to make an investment in their homes and uh, we saw renovation, uh, both uh, total investment and permits just uh, go through the roof. And uh, we're starting to see that kind of uh, drop back to normal, but that continued right up until this year. Mm. And cottages. People were into, get me a cottage, get it to me now. Yeah, I, I, when people were uh, restricted in terms of their, their travel and uh, they were looking at how to uh, kind of get that uh, that aspect of their life still continuing, but uh, locally. And so we did see, especially on the resale side of things, um, cottages, uh, even even RVs became a, a real um, a real hot ticket in terms of uh, getting uh, getting away, but also kind of as, as you could while we were all dealing with the pandemic. Thank you so much for this. Thank you, Cliff. Anything else here, uh, guys, or are we done? 
We'll have to let you go on that note, Clay. The clock is always our enemy. We appreciate you. We appreciate Lanny. Please give him our best and our appreciation for uh, giving us some insight into the situation as it pertains to uh, home building in our province. What is the rule of rounding, by the way? I, I noticed you you were a couple of times this morning, just not, not sure whether you wanted to go minus five or minus six. Well, minus five point six is closer to six, so I get that. Well, you round to that. Anything five or more, I, I know, thought you round I know, that's the rule, up. but it doesn't feel right in the oh, temperature Oh, because you realm. don't want it to be colder than it actually I is? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right. I was just wondering where you were coming from on that, because I thought the rounding rules were pretty clear in grade three. No, I learned them. I get it. Why don't you follow them? Maybe it's just a weather thing. Are you not a rule follower, Loren McNabb? Mm. I take you to be a rule follower for the most part. Although as I'm saying the words and listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth, maybe not. You like yeah, to push boundaries on a, a lot of bit. stuff. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a rabble rouser. Mm. I don't know. Just It's a, it's a case-by-case scenario. Case by case. Just when you think I'm going to do what you think I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. I don't do that thing. Oh, yeah. You like to keep us on our toes. Loren McNabb, Greg Mackling with you. Mackling McNabb McGarry returns tomorrow. It is a Tuesday morning. I almost said Wednesday, but that's just wishful (laughs) thinking on my part. Not because I like to wish my days away, but that Tuesday is, is, you know, Wednesday used to be my least favorite day. Now it's one of my favorite days because when we come in, we're sort of tired and the, the week's already started to to wane and, and grind on us a little bit. And then by the time Wednesday at noon rolls around, it's like, oh, we're in the home stretch mm. of the week. That whole hump day concept really does work. But Tuesday has just really become my least favorite day. And that's where I'm going to stand on that. Uh, hey. Except for today, maybe, because we have some Ooh. great uh, giveaways. Um, see, there you go again, surprising me with the positivity. An absolutely huge show announcement. We did this two hours ago. In case you have missed it, this event is coming to Winnipeg for the very first time. It uh, takes place across Canada. It's called the Great Outdoors Comedy Festival, coming to Assiniboine Park this summer, July 19th. To the 21st, I've already had a couple of text messages from friends. Well, how does that work at Assiniboine Park? Well, if you've been to Folk Fest or if you've been to any other music festival, maybe at the Forks, at Birds Hill Park, even at Minnedosa, these things, you know. They they, do ballet on the stage in Assiniboine Park. That's for free, though. No, but but they'll they'll figure out a way to to Exactly. That's where I was going, right? They'll they'll, they'll create a situation where you can... uh, you know, is it bring your own chair? That's a really good question. One of my one of my friends asked me that. I don't know if you're bringing your own lawn chair or not. Anyway, it's very very impressive lineup. Big big show. Two of the most popular comedy stars appearing on consecutive nights. July twentieth, Bill Burr live. And if that's not exciting enough for you, on the 21st, Nate Bargatze comes, the Tennessee kid, Jerry D., one of Canada's best stand-up comedians, one of our listeners saying he's great on the Family Feud Canada. Mr. D., if you've never watched it, I think it's a great show. So underrated. Jerry D., we've had him on this show before. Uh, Love the guy, Derek Stroop, and more. So that's our big announcement today. And how... Can folks get tickets? Pre-sale runs this Thursday, December 7th, 10 a.m. local time. The code for that pre-sale is simple, CJOB. And then tickets officially go on sale Friday, December 8th.
Timing is everything. One of our listeners just texted in, hey, uh, what was the pre-sale code for the summer comedy show, please? CJOB. There it is. Two tickets up for grabs as well. Canadian sports, moments and athletes who had the biggest impact on you. And what does Don have to say, Loren? My vote for Canadian athlete goes to Rick Hansen for his Man in Motion World Tour. During this tour, as he went through Thunder Bay around 4 a.m., he reeled right past the taxi stand where I was working. All of the drivers who could... Stood by and watched as he passed. He made direct eye contact with me, gave me a small nod. I'll remember that moment for as long as I live, says Don. Powerful. Don, uh, great storyteller. Stories from the Road, by the way, is uh, Don's book. We've yet to have him on the show to talk about his adventures. I've read a good chunk of that book. It's outstanding. And uh, we'll have to have Don on before Christmas because that would make a really good Christmas gift. We have so many people in Winnipeg in Manitoba that are attached to the trucking industry. Loren, this came to your attention just in the last little bit here. Remember back to the good old days when you could go grocery shopping and get grocery shopping and get bags for free. Those were the plastic bags, right? of course. Right then, we made that switch away from plastic over a year ago, but you could still buy that reusable bag, likely because you. Forgot yours. Right. I have bags up the yin-yang, in the, my trunk, in the back seat, in the other car, in the pantry. They're everywhere. Dozens of bags, but I forget all the time to bring them in the store. And currently in Winnipeg, if it's 30 cents, I might just say, ah, I'll pay for it. Or I try to carry all my groceries out in my arms to the car. It's not necessarily working to get people to move over to these reusable bags in the sense that We keep paying for them, and now we're going to have more of those out there. So think about this. In Toronto, the talk is to raise the minimum price from 20, 30, 40 cents to $2. We get more from Lauren O'Neill. Those small red canvas bags at Shoppers Drug Mart currently only cost about 35 cents a piece, making the decision to purchase one relatively easy for most people after they pop in to get just one thing but wind up buying more than an armful of stuff. A new bylaw proposed by the City of Toronto could change that by forcing retailers to charge a minimum of $1 per bag starting in March of 2024 and then $2 per bag the following year. If council votes in favour of the bylaw next week, businesses would also be required to accept reusable cuffs provided by customers and only put plastic utensils in takeout bags if someone asks for them first. Saving the planet and space in your closet won't be cheap though. The city says it'll cost $450,000 to run and enforce the program, about a quarter of a million next year alone. Lauren O'Neill, Global News. But is that what it's going to take? If the idea is that I'm supposed to keep the plastic out of the landfill, but now I'm buying (laughs) dozens of these reusable bags that also could end up in the landfill, better than plastic, I get that. But I don't need 72 of them in my house. Honest to God. And then what are you supposed to do with those? So if the cost doesn't get higher... I, I'm assuming I'm one of many who will just keep that habit of, I'll just buy another one. I have these fancy totes in my trunk. Mm-hmm. My wife is so good at using these totes. I'm awful. I just can't get my, I just forget every go, time. I, I come home with the brown, the paper bag. And she's like, again? I know. Can I you know. not remember? Do you not know that you're going to the store? Yeah. I do. I do. Jackie, I hear you. I hear you. Sometimes ya. it's just like I'm going for a handful of things and then it becomes two hands full and then it's a cart full. And then I'm standing there and going, well, I guess, yeah, tag me 15 cents for each one of these paper bags. And I don't feel bad about the paper ones. Because they put them right into the recycling bin at home. But 
you know what they say, the road, the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm -hmm. And now we have all these reusable bags that were flipping buried in. I'm like a movie scene where, you know, the kid opens the closet door and all the stuff (laughs) pops out and then the bowling bag lands on top of you. That's me with reusable bags. So we've gone. I'm going to drown in them. Yeah. So we've gone from the plastic bags that you could put your dog poop in, use them as garbage bags to these reusable bags that are so pretty. We don't want to use them for anything else, but we detest them because they take up so room in our house. Trying to fix stuff. I get it, but maybe Jackie could be like on a ringtone for us or something. Just a just a don't forget the tote. Yes, could just like a random one, you know, don't ten times a day. Tote. Don't forget the tote. Get your canvas bag. Yeah, I read the weather six times every morning. <laughs> I never remember. Still what have the temp no is. idea what the temperature is supposed to be. You're the best, Loren. Well, 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 well. I love you so much. Uh, <laughs> Kendall says, anytime I forget my bags and I go shopping, I just put the groceries back in the cart and unload everything into my vehicle. When I get home, I go in the house, grab a few bags and load them up. No need to add to the 50 bags I already have. Yes. Kendall, you're brilliant. Yes, except for I still forget the bags in the cart. Like I get in the store, okay. grab the cart, go all the way around, get to the till, and then I'm like, shoot, my bags are in the car. Okay, so one of our listeners says regarding trying to remember those bags, put them on the front seat on the passenger seat when you're on your way to the store. But that means you have to remember to do that as well. Hey, I uh, this morning had the phone in my hand as I got out of the car because I was texting you. <laughs> you forgot your And then left my phone, phone in the car. car. I don't know if this front street seat strategy has Loren written all over it. But that's my problem, I don't know. not yours. Uh, Ron's trying to pedal. He says, uh, by sale, uh, buy one reusable bag, get 500 free. Anybody interested? No. Well, here's the thing, too. If it, As a dog owner, I'm now having to go out and buy plastic bags to oh, pick the, up my the, dog. the little poop bags. Right. As opposed to I just always use grocery yeah. bags. Yeah. So, Lots of I people mean, use those for their garbage bags, too, right? I, I'm not saying that there's all sorts of solutions out there to the plastic problem, but I now am buying plastic to replace the plastic. One of our listeners says, how warm is it? Feels like match game. I was watching a Richardson ground squirrel collecting food yesterday. It was quite plump already. I thought they were hibernating. Is that is that what we call a prairie dog? Richardson ground squirrel? I think so. I thought he meant that. Oh, I see. I was thinking the grounds of the Richardson building. <laughs> but never mind. 921, we have to give away two tickets to what is going to be a tremendous show at Assiniboine Park, the Great Outdoors Comedy Festival, July 19th to 21st. Bill Burr live on the 20th. Nate Bargatze, Jerry D, and Derek Stroop on the 21st. And our winner, paying homage, Loren, to Christine Sinclair by channeling the memories of one of the great Winnipeg athletes of all time. The Golden Boy. One of my favorite sport memories is when Winnipeg's Golden Boy, Donnie Lalonde, Fought legend Sugar Ray Leonard, November 7th, 1988. Sugar Ray Leonard, billed as For All the Gold, was a professional boxing match contested on that date for Dunning Lalonde's WC Light Heavyweight title and the inaugural WBC Super Middleweight title. Caesars Palace, Paradise, Nevada, U.S. What was the outcome of that? Sugar Ray won. Donnie knocked him, mm-hmm. sort of wobbled him, didn't really knock him down. I don't think it co- count as a knockdown. It's the only boxing match I ever went to Winnipeg Arena to watch on closed circuit TV. I was at the uh, airport to greet Donnie Lalonde when he came. And I have one of his jackets still 
say no to child, no excuse for child abuse. Oh, it's a collector's item, but I ain't selling it. Did and that it isn't to give make away. a name for himself? Oh, in big the sense time. of and, like people thought millions, he would do that good, millions of dollars, do that well. I think Danny knew you would like this. He was appealing straight to your well done, Danny. You get the tickets. heart. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.